Hey guys, welcome to the Centerpoint Podcast. My name is Tyler. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, one of our own, a member of Centerpoint Fellowship Church. We have Kim Class. And uh, today's episode is going to be a, a pretty heavy episode, pretty deep episode. The topic today is suicide and mental health, and it's going to be the first in an ongoing series entitled Living Through Tragedy. Kim is the author of the book, One More Day. It's a powerful true story of suicide, loss, and a woman's newfound faith. I just want to read the, about the author on the back. There's a whole, uh, a whole couple pages uh, about you in this book, um, but we'll, we'll brag on you a little bit here. We have uh, Kim Class is a former award-winning journalist who has reported from Texas, England, Virginia, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama in the past two decades. She serves on the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Alabama Board of Directors, and is the Media of the Year, Media of the Year 2017 winner for her work covering mental health. Kim, thank you for being here. Thank you. Today. And for those of you listening and watching, and those of you who are in the car, um, thank you all for listening. I, I can't wait to see how God uses uh, Kim to minister uh, to others through uh, this interview and then uh, through her book as well. So again, the topic today is suicide and mental health, living through tragedy, and we'll give Kim um, an opportunity to share uh, her, her story, her journey, uh, and this will be divided into part into three parts. Part one will be um, Kim sharing her story. Part two will dive into the book. And then part three, um, Kim will speak to the stigma attached to suicide and mental illness. But first, introduce yourself, Kim. Sure. Or actually, I guess I've introduced you, so you can just tell a little bit about yourself. Okay, sure. Um, thank you. I, I live in Prattville. I've lived in Prattville for about 12 or 13 years. I'm from San Antonio, though. It's where I've called home for forever. Uh, my father was in the army, so you always had to pick a place where you called home, and that's kind of where we landed. Um, I went to college at Southwest Texas State University in San Marcos, which is just north of San Antonio. Um, but we've been in Prattville for about 13 years. I have a 16-year-old daughter. She's a junior at Prattville Christian Academy, and she plays soccer. Um, and so my time is really devoted to her and to writing, and uh, we enjoy we enjoy the area very much. We enjoy going to the beach and um, and going hiking in Birmingham and just kind of being outdoors as much as we can. So, well, good deal. Yeah. So before we get into um, part two, where we where we dive into the book, I would first uh, like it if you could share. We want people to, to buy the book and read it, mm -hmm. but share as much as you can about the book. Um, giving us some context for where we're headed this morning. Okay. Well, the book does focus on my sister, um, who we lost to suicide, and it really tells her story. But to understand the story, you need to understand Katie and uh, where she came from and, and kind of the life she had growing up. And Katie was adopted when she was two weeks old. Um, but prior to that, I had a brother who died when he was 15. He died in a hiking accident when we lived in Hawaii, and he fell off a cliff um, as he was hiking. And so after his passing, my parents wanted to adopt a boy to help, because he was the only boy in the family, to um, carry on the family name. And so knowing that my father was being st stationed again in Korea, um, they started the adoption process um, to adopt a baby once we arrived. And so we started that pretty early um, before we flew over. And once we got settled into the house, they received a call that a baby was ready, but that it was a girl. 
and um, so they said we don't care we want the baby and by this point they were just so excited to adopt a Korean baby which is something my father's always wanted he's he had been stationed in Korea for two or three times before that and that was just always something he wanted to do was adopt one of their children and so we adopted her when she was two weeks old. Uh, we went to the orphanage and as a family and they handed her over to us. And um, two years later, my mother died of breast cancer. And so Katie um, never, you know, she doesn't remember her at all. She was only two, she, so she didn't know her birth mother. She doesn't remember her adoptive mother. Shortly after my mother died, my father remarried and was married to a woman for about 10 years. And so that's the only woman that Katie knew as her mom. And um, they divorced and she just left. She didn't keep in touch with the family and she didn't keep in touch with Katie. So the only mom that Katie knew just kind of disappeared and had nothing to do with her after. Um, which, you know, is hard for a 10-year-old. And so then my father remarried again, and, um, and the relationship between Katie and this woman wasn't very good. Um, there was a lot of jealousy issues, and Katie was becoming a teenager, and so that added on to some complications. But during this time, my grandmother died. And my grandmother, my dad's mom, was really the only constant in Katie's life as far as women in her life. Aside, aside from me, but I was either in college or I just got married. I was you know, in the middle of my career and not in Texas and um, where she was. And so my grandmother was always the constant in her life. And so after my grandmother died, she um, started spiraling a little bit out of control, if you will. She started sneaking out of the house. Um, she would sneak out of any window that wasn't, you know, locked down. And so my father <laughs> had to put um, security measures on all the windows except for the bathroom window. Um, I don't remember why, but so she started, she was so tiny that she could fit out of the bathroom window. Um, and so she just snuck out a lot. She would take the car and, you know, get it down the driveway without it making any noise. And um, and I'm pretty sure this is when some of the drinking started with her friends. Um, but it's definitely, looking back, we never talked about it then, but looking back, we believe that's when her depression started too. And um, we always, looking back now after she died, we, we just always say it has to be after, you know, grandma died and because and, uh, she meant so much to her and she was so close to her. Um, and so, she um, finished high school and she never went to college. She just started working um, at you know various like fast food places and then she got a job at a bar and um, made good money so there was no reason for her to leave but the environment wasn't very good for her. There was, she continued her drinking. There was a lot of drug use um, um, that she was I guess taking part in to um, kind of help, you know, the depression, help the depression, like kind of self-medicating. And um, she had a baby, she got married, she had a baby, she got divorced a year later, um, and then she married um, her next husband about five years later. And, um, and 
her depression became a little bit more prominent in those years. And there was one night, um, and we didn't really know how bad it was. We knew that she was depressed. My father had gotten her into counseling when she was younger, um, knowing that something was wrong. Um, and I don't remember what came out of that, but when she was married to her second husband, who was very supportive, um, we just noticed that it was getting a little bit deeper. And there was one night out of the blue that Katie texted me and said, I love you. Um, and I don't remember now what time it was, but I think I got the message when I woke up that next morning and it just said, I love you. And I'm like, that's weird. I mean, we told each other we loved each other all the time, but just to get a random text like that was out of the ordinary. And so the next morning, it was a Saturday, I went running with my group and I texted her back and I was like, I love you too. And, um, you know, how are you doing? And she didn't reply, and then her best friend texted me or called me and said, did you hear what happened to Katie? And I was like, no, I said, I can't get in touch with her though. And she said, well, she's in the hospital. She tried to overdose last night. And her husband found her and called 911 and they admitted her into a psychiatric ward. Um, and so she was there for probably um, two or three days, two, three, four days um, before she finally said, can I just go home? That's where my support is. I just want to go home. And so they got her on some medication and they allowed her to go home. And I drove, I was here in Alabama and I drove home to Texas to see her um, a few days later. Um, I took some time off work and pulled my daughter out of school so we could head down there to um, see that she was okay. I just needed to see her for myself. And we spent some time with her, but I had noticed um, during that weekend or during those few days that we were there, I could just, then I could see everything. I could see, I could see her depression. I could sense her depression and I could see how sad she looked, how sad she was. And, and it just broke my heart. And um, she, there was just no will to live. Um, and so we made the most of, you know, the time that weekend, I tried not to bother her too much and just saw her when she, you know, wanted company and we went bowling and, um, and went out to eat a couple times, but I, I noticed it, it hit really hard. Um, it was in January, 2015 and it hit really hard how serious this was. And, um, so she's just kept apologizing over and over. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and I was like, please don't, please don't do this. Please don't do this again. Um, and then it just got worse. And, um, and I saw her again that summer and we spent a lot of time together, um, shopping and, um, eating out and just hanging out together, which was really nice. And then that was the summer of 2015. And then we lost her in October. October 31st, 2015. Um, she had tried again to overdose with her medication and it didn't work. Um, but then she hung herself in her um, bedroom closet and her husband found her um, early morning on October 31st. And um, so that's kind of how the book, um, it's, it's kind of what the book revolves around. 
um, and everything that comes with suicide loss and everything that my family faced. Um, and, you know, to be honest, that we still deal with. There's still <laughs> questions and um, even though, you know, we're always told there shouldn't be and, you know, stop questioning this and it's not going to bring her back. But I think still deep down, um, you're always going to wonder, what could I have done? Um, what could I have done? And <coughs> so. I know in your book you said that you also want to honor Katie. Um, speak, if you will, speak. Um, as a, how, how would you describe Katie? Can you give us any stories, any, any what, what real fun memories do you have with her? You know, there's, there's a purse that she wanted you to buy. Katie, um, Katie was very outgoing. Katie had a huge personality. And um, Katie... Were you equally as outgoing? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm quite the introvert to her extrovert ways. And Katie would walk into a room and just light up the room. I mean, she was one of those people. And you're just like, gosh, where do you get this energy from? Um, except during the, the depths of depression, she would... I mean, she would just bounce into a room with this humongous smile and just light up everyone. And Christmas time was always fun. She, her arms were just, you know, loaded down with gifts. She loved Christmas and she loved it with her family. Um, but she always, Katie was a huge, you know, defender of her family. You know, she stood up for her family. She stood up for her friends. She did everything for everyone. She put everyone before herself. Um, she, um, she was just funny. She was great to be around. She was smart and, um, she just struggled. And, uh, and that was, that was hard to see someone so full of life to, to struggle as much as she did, but she loved to go dancing. She loved working at the bar. Um, she made good money and that was hard to, that was hard to pull her away from. Eventually we did, but, um, she loved to dance and, she loved to go to country club and dance, and uh, she loved to have a good time with her friends. That was really important to her. Did she like convincing you what to buy when y'all went shopping? Didn't oh, she sure, yeah. She, had, she was a little more colorful, huh? Yeah, she was a little bit more colorful. So we went shopping. Um, I was always a black or brown purse type of person, and we went shopping one time. I had a date coming up um, one summer in San Antonio, and, and she's like, you need some color in your life. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And so she made me buy a purse of a different color. And um, so she <laughs> literally brought color into my life. And so ever since we lost her, um, every year, either around her birthday or her anniversary, which is kind of within two months of each other, I try to go out and buy something that um, that I normally wouldn't buy. I mean, obviously I'm all in black, and but my yellow purse over there is something that she inspired. And, um, but yeah, so she she helped along. She helped me along a little bit that way. <laughs> so you describe her in, in, on page six and page 163, and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll call it quits for part one, sure. and then we'll, we'll get right into uh, to the book. But on, on page 163, uh, you describe her as um, she was both the cheerleader and the defender for the family. She was your rock, our foundation. You wrote, she might have come to our family from a different bloodline, but she was definitely our lifeline. She was our keeper, our soul. She was strong, ambitious, determined, faithful, loyal, stubborn, <sighs> but she was lovely. Funny, loud, smart, disciplined. 
I do want to uh, honor you and your family and Katie uh, throughout this interview, the podcast, whether you're listening to it or watching it. And the book certainly uh, honors Katie as well. And, and every word I can think of to, to describe the book um, I feel is inadequate. So, I, But I will say this, if you're watching, if you're listening, um, I highly recommend um, you get a copy of this book. Um, real quick, where can they where can they find it? If they want, if somebody hears this and say, I'd, "I want to read the book," where can they find it? Um, they can find it on Amazon.com. They can find it on BarnesandNoble.com. Um, Books a Million has it on their site um, in Birmingham at both of the Barnes and Noble. It's in their stores, um, and then there's a Barnes and Noble somewhere in Florida, but. Um, but they can also contact me. I have copies at my house. Um, so, okay, we're going to take a quick break. Um, if you're listening to the podcast again, it'll you can it'll seem like one second, but we're going to take a, a, a real quick break and then uh, we'll get right back into uh, into the book. And again, the name of the book is One More Day. We'll be right back. 